This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. Hello and welcome to your very latest Every Step Along the Way. Uh, Another away game, another away defeat. Now, Michael... He's not going to be joining us tonight. Um, he's had some family emergency that he's he's uh, took him away from the podcast, and we hope obviously that uh, you know sorts itself out um, as as best as it can and as quickly as possible. But one man who is joining us is Brendan Dudley, so friend of the pod, been on here numerous times now, mate. Welcome back. Thank you very much for having me. How's it going? It's not going too bad. Now you've had a hectic couple of days because. Uh, unlike myself, you actually travelled down to Bournemouth to, for the uh, Carabao Cup game this week, didn't you? Yeah, we were down there. Um, to be fair, I've only just got back. It's been absolutely manic. And, uh, yeah. Now, the issue I've got here, mate, is I I uh, paid the, the subscription to listen to it on the radio because, obviously, there is no way of getting any sort of, other than the goals on Sky Sports News, there was no sort of, um, no coverage of it anywhere whilst there would have been a cup game. And I, I don't want to stick the boot in on the guy because a few people haven't got him and he's, he's sort of new to the job. But that new commentator on Radio Stoke, I can now, after having to try and listen to that game, I feel like I have not got a clue about anything that went on <laughs> because he, he just talks about anything but the match. Um, so now, obviously, we've had a lot. Of, there's been a lot of people complaining. And having listened to that, I can now understand why. Um, so you're going to have to fill me in a lot, mate, because like I say, I, I can tell, I can tell you, you know, I know all about the decor at the Vitality Stadium and, and um, you know, counting empty seats and all that. You told me all about things like that, but actually what was going on on the pitch seemed to pass him by. <laughs> um, I wasn't very impressed. I was, to be fair... Um, quite a lot of us were absolutely fuming. We've travelled um, hours and hours and hours for a display like that, and it's the same answers every time from the manager at the moment. I'm not saying you should go. I'm not saying anything at the moment, but what I'm saying is just tell the fans what's going on because what we were seeing on that pitch is not exactly what he's saying in his uh, post-match interviews. 
Do you think he's maybe protecting the players at this point? Um, the certain players on that pitch, in our opinion, as 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 the fans in the stands. I mean, we've travelled, we paid a lot of money to get this game, and the certain players that should not be on the pitch. If you get what I mean, they're, they're making the same mistakes, and you know what's coming. And we're saying, why is he playing again? And oh, um, the substitutes. I knew. We knew what the substitute was going to be when he made the substitute. It's very, very predictable. And we, we've got a team that's in two games has conceded two goals within 10 minutes of each other and both games. That's four goals. That, that's, that's ridiculous. Where's, where's the, once we concede a goal, our defence just goes shambles for about 10 minutes. We don't know what's going on. But... It's happened against Preston as well, didn't it? If you think about it, it's like three times in the, in the last month. Yeah, well, uh, what we were seeing, um, the fans were getting a bit irate with certain player. I feel sorry for the player, but um, I'm going to personally say it, Rose should not be playing. Rose makes too many mistakes and our manager turned round to us, turned round to the fans, he, even in the pub when he had that conversation and said he wants to get out of the passing back to the keeper. All we did, all we did for the entire first half, no joking, the ball would go to the defence, we play across to the defence, back across the defence, to Bonham and Bonham would launch it and our striker nowhere near straight back to them straight back to us and on the attack back to the defence it was so boring and it was so predictable and they knew what we were doing it was just launch forward to the same person who couldn't hold up the ball I'm sorry but I don't think he's good enough he couldn't the striker could not hold up the ball and he was straight back to our defence under pressure what happens defence oh we got the ball back give it to Barnum Bottom launch back. It was just—it was like it was on rewind. It was awful. How much do you think? I mean, did, did you notice sort of, sort of Alex Neal's reaction to this? Was he was he sort of were they carrying out his plans, or do you think he they were maybe you know, getting a bit more timid with it being away at a Premier League club, and they were? Do you think they maybe were a bit sort of? Rabbit in the egg lights there, not wanting to to mess up after conceding, you know, so many goals rather sloppily recently. Do you think that that maybe was playing into it? Like, did the manager look happy with what they were doing? Well, to be fair, Alex Neil, we were watching Alex Neil. He was standing there with his hands on his hips. Uh, he kept talking to someone. Um, but the thing is, when you go two 0 down. I'm going to ask you a question. When you go 2-0 down, um, if it was any other team, how quick would you make a substitution when you go 2-0 down? Why was it we went 2-0 down and there was no subs coming on? Ten minutes later, still no subs. We were like, will you change it? They're coming. They're literally attacking us now. They, they bought some of the big guns on and he did Nothing, not a substitute. And then when the subs come on, we thought, uh, I bet you any money, the first sub that comes on, what a shock, it was Dwight Gale. We all knew what was going to happen. 
not not I'm not impressed with the with the gales. So I mean, what what would you have done then, mate? What, who would you have, who do you think he should have brought on as first you know, first uh, change? To be fair, and uh, probably a lot of fans agree. I'd have bought Vidigal on at that point. At that point, there was there was no movement up front, and the minute you've got no movement up front, they do they're dominating, so they can do what they want. When we um, did start moving the ball up forward, um, it, it it looked different. It was too it was too defensive. I know it was against the Premier League, but what you got to remember is the Carabao Cup. We all know that that Premier League team are not going to pull a full strength team out. So why not go for the jugular and try and go for them in the first half and do something? Why is it we seem to be doing the same thing? We're not learning from our mistakes and he's playing the players that I mean, sorry, but I, I, I mean, I gave Rose a chance. I just don't rate him at all. Some of the passes he's doing, he's giving the ball away and he's getting caught all the time. And he, he needs to change it. We, we all can see it. And But we're like, you've got the players here. Stop playing the players that are making the mistakes. Try and change it. Try and change it from the back. I want to know one big question, though, in the league... We signed a left back, and why did he play DJ in that position in the last game? No one's asked that question. Why is that left back who we paid over a million and all for sitting on the bench? So is that Junior Ch- Chavadou? Yeah, is it from Colchester? Was it? Um, yeah. But- so, so I suppose. I, I suppose to be fair, he's naturally right back into. He's, he has played left back, but he's, he's right-footed. Um, but by all accounts, he is comfortable on his left foot. He, you know, he's not just there for standing on, <laughs> as some of them are, as mine was when I used to play. <laughs> um, I believe you know people have said that he's quite, you know, he's, he's quite he's quite um, adept at using his left foot and and has played on the left hand side in defence for Colchester and done well. So. It's not as if he's never played there. I mean, I wonder whether, you know, jumping up a couple of divisions, whether Alex Neal thinks he's sort of thrown him under the bus by chucking him in, you know, out of position for a debut. You know, he's still only 19, isn't he? You know, I have to sort of, you know, jump in two divisions as well. Might not be the fairest and the best thing in the long term for the lad, maybe. Yeah, but then you've also got DJ, who's probably one of our top midfielders, playing at back. And it just, I don't get it. You know, it, it signed all these players. So why have we not got an actual left back who can actually step into that position straight away? We let, we let Josh Timing go. As soon as, you know what I mean? It's so frustrating. Um, we just need to sort that out. Sort the basics out. Go back to the basics, and then start again. Basically, um, but that striker, I don't think he, you know. What I'm on about. I don't think he's good enough. I really don't. What he what he was like yesterday. He was like he couldn't header a ball. He wasn't keeping the ball up, and it was just pass it to him in the air. That was the, that. It just seemed like it was Sunday 
football again, Sunday League football, I just launched the ball, hopefully went for the best, and that's it. There was no there was no game plan. We all said that yesterday. There was no game plan whatsoever. We spent a lot of money to go up there and we didn't even get an apology or nothing off the management. Was it was it that was it really that bad then? Because I know like if you from what from what I could gather, the the, the, the feedback from was that you know the they didn't threaten greatly, do you? It wasn't as if we were um, ever really had Bournemouth on the back foot and maybe they were coasting a bit once they went 2 a lot. But, you know, we sort of matched them. For the feedback we had last year, we matched them in the first half. Two kick the soccer goals, start the second half. And then it sort of just matched sort of drifting away in the side. Like, is your frustration from the the performance and being outplayed or is it a lack of attempt to sort of get into the game a lack of attacking threat Where, where's your main sort of uh, where's the main sort of source of the frustration well like I said to you the first part was the, um, we were getting the ball um, playing across the back again like we used to do and um, we were just doing it left right left right then to keep it kicking forward that's all we were doing in the first half so we weren't matching them we were just basically launching the ball and hoping for the best and fair dues I mean the midfield were doing the best stop them from getting through um, but it's like this how can you say that Stoke were ever in the game yesterday how can we say that even even tried when we don't have one attempt on goal not one shot we were standing there just, just shoot it's, it's against a Premier League team you've got nothing to lose have a shot no, we did what we did when we when we had the last manager, and it was get so far forward, pass it left, pass it left, or pass it right. No one is willing to take the risk and have a shot, and that that's what I mean. There was no there was no attack. It was just midfield defense, midfield defense. He did not go there with an intent to win that match. You could tell he went there to hopefully maybe hold on to dear life and then maybe get a penalty shootout. That's what he was hoping. But and, and it took him that long to make the subs. I watched fans in Bournemouth, Stoke fans, leaving the stadium on the 78th minute and they were walking out because they knew there was no way of coming back in. The subs aren't going to do anything. Gale, as soon as he comes on, no disrespect to Gale, he's been a great player, but when he came on for Stoke, we all said, that's it, we're that down to 10 men. And we were. Dwight Gale does not offer anything in this team. He's not a championship player anymore. He's not a Premier League player anymore. He needs to step down another division. I, don't, I think he'll struggle there. I just don't think... Dwight Gale's the same person as well. So, to me, why is he bringing on Gale? If we can see this game in and game out, even from last season, that Dwight Gale is not going to score a goal, he's not going to do anything, why does the manager still play him and not bring on the youth? Bring some of the youth through. Give him a chance or something. Because this guy is just taking a seat on the bench and not giving, you know, someone that who's young, hungry, a chance. I'm just sorry. But he's like I say, his contract's out at the end of the season. You can tell he isn't bothered. He'll come on. He's getting paid for it. Job done. But I'm sorry. In my, If I was the manager, he wouldn't even make the bench anymore. I'd be uh, offering him out on loan or something. I'd be just, sorry, mate, but you're not good enough anymore. 
or just pay him his contract out and let him go because it, it's got to be mentally traumatising for a player that has lost it who's been in that position now now we can't do it so do you, do you think there's any there's any comeback for you think like, I know sometimes strikers goals can you know, flick a switch can't they for strikers do you think a couple of goals is and he could salvage you know what what he's got left of his career at this level or or do you think we've even gone past that well let's put it this way right a striker fair play if a striker scores a goal can lift themselves what sums it up for me and I'll say it straight last home game when the ball came, when he came on and that ball came towards him and it hit his back heel that's that says something. That's not luck. That's not, that's not even looking at the ball. That's being out of position. And then yesterday he came on, and twice within two minutes the ball was given to him. He was running. He got the ball. He goes to pass to someone. Guess what he does? He miskicks it. Kicks it out. That's one. And the other one, he went kick the ball to a player. He went that slow. The, the defender just intercepted and walked off. And we were like, just get off the pitch. You don't know what you're doing anymore. You're not good enough. And the fans were ri- literally shouting at him. And he just looked at the crowd, smirked, and walked off. I don't think he gives. I don't think he cares. I just don't think. He, I just. I really, really don't think he cares anymore. So you mentioned youth there. Obviously, Emre Tezgel's back in training now after obviously the injury picked up in pre-season. Uh, Nathan Lowe got some minutes. I mean, how, how did he look when he came on? Yeah, I'll say something. He was a light. He came on. He was running for the ball. He was laying the ball off, headering the ball. That is the person we should be bringing on, not Dwight Gale. Because Nathan Lowe, I've seen him a few times, but yesterday I was really impressed. I think this guy's ready. I think we need to start giving him more time. And uh, Trezegal, get him on the bench. Get him back on that bench and drop Dwight Gale. You know what I mean? We've got players, young, that are coming through. We've got a Vidigal who's sitting on the bench yesterday. What was the point in taking Vidigal? What was the point? This guy is scoring every single time he plays for Stoke. And what did they do yesterday? They make him sit there and watch. What was the point? He could have stayed at home, done some more training, ready for the weekend because he's messed him around. You've got a player like that. I wouldn't be wanting to sit on the bench. If I scored a goal every game, I'd be begging to get on that pitch, not just sit there and, oh, oh well, I'll play next game. What's that going to do to the lad's head next game? If you'd have dropped him and said, listen, you know, don't worry about the cup. I want you in the league. He'd have understood, but taking him there and then making him sit there and watch that. I'm, I'm, as a player, I'd be thinking, why? You know, what's the point of me being here? Do you think maybe that, obviously... He took Villegal, obviously he only made his comeback from injury at the weekend. He probably played a little bit more on Sunday against Hull than he ideally we would have had. Uh, obviously with the injury to tie quite early. He's took him out of the devil's advocate. I think he's maybe took him down there. He's had him on the bench. He's thinking, right, if it's nil-nil or one-nil, and there's 20 minutes to go, 25 to go, I can chuck him on. He can maybe get as an equaliser, get as a winner. Um, you know, take it to penalties or win the game. At 2-0 down, <clears throat> is he probably thinking the chances of getting back in this are slim? So why risk 
Vinegal in that circumstance when we've got a massive game at Bristol City and then two more massive games coming next week as well. So within like the next 10 days, we've got three massive league games. But I'm going to just say uh, what you're not saying as well. When we went down to we we went down two nil, yeah. What what no one's mentioning before we went one nil down, they started to dominate the game, right? And we could see it. We were just like we're being pinned back here, pinned back here. Why, as a manager, not even doing anything or making a change? You know, hold on, they're running that side there. We need to change that. He did nothing. He did nothing when they went one nil up. This is what concerns me. He did nothing. He didn't even speak to the assistant manager when they went 1-0 up. He just stood there with his arms folded. And we were like, oh, no, they're going to score again. You could tell they were going to score again. And then they got the free kick. And I went, watch this. It's going to go in for the free kick. And he did. There's no change. And we got a striker, right, who is not mobile enough. He's not holding the ball up. So can you explain why he's starting every single game? It, it, to me, if he's not going to do it, then put him on the bench and put somebody out, put a young... I'd rather, I'd rather Lowe up there because at least Lowe will run for the ball. He was running left and right. This guy is standing dead centre and he's not even... Uh, one of my complaints, right, and I said it to you before... Um, when we got like Cam, uh, Therese Campbell on, he would stand, or Vidigal, they would stand on the two centre defenders, defenders, if you remember that conversation. Yeah. This striker didn't even get between the, um, the midfield and their defenders. He stood dead centre. Uh, and I was like, he's not even with the defenders. So as soon as the ball comes over to him, what do you get? You get two defenders step up, thank you very much, and take the ball off him. And that happens every single time the ball goes up to him. There's something needs changing there because I, I don't think he's capable. I don't I don't think he's good enough to hold the ball up. I don't think he's going to be Stokes Antitive scoring goals. I think this guy is 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 very a lot of fans are shouting this, calling him bone idle because he wasn't running either. And if a player goes near him, he falls over. He's, it's, this guy's over six foot tall and he's going over like he's been, you know, hit with a sledgehammer or something. It, 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 yesterday, there was there was 500 fans. We travelled there. 500 fans all saying the same thing. He's idle. He shouldn't be on the pitch. Put some, uh, you know, it's in a cut game. Why not play the youth, some of the youth players in that cut game? What have we got to lose? Obviously, I can't comment on you know his, his work rate yesterday, but I mean, I thought I was quite impressed at the weekend. I mean, against um, against Hull, actually, you know, he sort of got my the match for us for for more. I mean, it wasn't a great achievement. It's not one for the mantelpiece winning my the match for Stoke in that game, but but he got it for us based on his work rate more than anything. And obviously, you know how much you how much effort he did put in, but. Um, do you think maybe he was better suited in that game where he had somebody close to him? I know he, he sort of he was him and Vidigal wanted up front. Do you think maybe the key is with Wesley is you've got to get players around him and get you know, he's, he's got to be playing with people up front. You can't expect him to to do sort of a lone job on his own. 
See, Wesley, what I, what I would actually say about him, um, he played better when he came on as a sub. I think he'd be better as an impact substitution. And yeah, I think he should have somebody running alongside him. But, but at the end of the day, bring him on. And that's where your Vidigal or, you know, when Campbell was fit, would have been perfect because they're running across him. He can lay the ball off. But yesterday, there was no runners. There was no runners whatsoever. It was the simple mission, hit the ball, and you can, if you can see the, the highlights, the ball, every time the keeper got the ball, it was straight kick, straight to Wesley, lost control, straight back on the attack. And it was every time we cleared the ball, we were under pressure. So I can see where you're coming from, but I just disagree. He shouldn't start a game. Maybe he, he came on, when he came on as a sub, he, he seemed better, but... I don't think he. I don't think he's a ninety-minute player. I really don't. I think bring him on later on. You know, if you need a bit of physicality, put him on. If you don't, leave him out of there because he falls over too easy. And you want you want you want someone that's going to commit and put in a tackle and go for it. Where for a big guy, he just he hasn't got that ability. And we we're so angry because he's got the height, he's got the muscle. And you're like, knock him off the ball. Do something, and then it's him that's going down, not the other players. And you can see, we saw yesterday two Bournemouth players take the ball off Wesley, and they laid five with each other after because it was like that was easy. I'm like, oh, they're rubbing it in now. And uh, the Bournemouth fans were giving him grief every time he went down or he'd lost the ball. He goes, hey, because they knew what was going on. And, it got to the point where everybody knew where that ball was going. So guess what? Now there's two players on that on the Wesley waiting for it, and you, he isn't holding the ball. He isn't laying off the ball. So okay, two players on me. If I lay it off to the left, that frees that player up, doesn't it? Because I've got two players with me. No, he was head. If he headed the ball, he was headed it backwards, not forwards. Headed it backwards and. They were just intercepting. They, they knew the game plan, and once they knew the game plan, there was no, there was no option like option B. It was A, and that was the way. And B, just forget about it. There was no option B. We cheered when he actually got subbed. That's how bad it was. And then we realised who we bought on, and then we were like, it's one for another. We give up. And I would like to say, seventy-eight minutes into a match and I looked at the clock and I was watching Stoke fans who travelled over 240 miles leaving the stadium. I was I was ashamed when I saw that. I could not believe it. I thought that's how bad we are playing that the fans who travelled all that way are, are ready to go home. Yeah, it doesn't it, it doesn't sound great. I mean I do we'll just sort of touch on the goals in a sec before we wrap this up on the on the game but um, just, just give me a name. I mean, I think to be honest, I think if Ryan May had been fit, I don't think Wesley would have been playing anywhere near as much as he had done. But at the minute, I mean, if Wesley's not going to start, just who with Campbell out, May out, who who are you playing down the middle? Oh, that's, that's just it, isn't it? Who who do you play there? Um. um 
I don't know. I'd just play one of the youngins. I'd just bring some of the youngsters through. I really would. I just had enough. I just don't know what to say anymore. Um, we are missing May. I, I, I actually feel sorry for May because he, I was at that cup game when he scored that wonder goal and then he got injured. And I think that could have been the start of a good striker for us because that goal was, it was world class. And then it just sums up Stoke City's history, doesn't it? It just sums up us in the past five years. You know, we get somebody that looks good, bang, gets injured, gets an international, again, international. What happens? Somebody always comes back injured. You know, yeah. it's so frustrating. And and the Stevens, the one position we haven't got cover for, left back, goes to place for Ireland, injured, out for a month. That's that's um, my point. I think these uh, international friendlies, you might not just you might disagree with me, but my personal opinion, why do we keep having so many friendlies? If there's no like, if, you know, take some of the friendlies out. Just concentrate on the the internationals when they need to. But there's too many friendlies in a season now, and it's getting stupid. And it's always uh, like later on, we'll have friendlies later on. You can guarantee Stoke will lose two players in a friend in the friendlies. You can guarantee because it's happened every season. I, th- I think there's, there's three breaks in there. There's one in September, one in October, one in November. They are <laughs> mainly like uh, qualifiers, aren't they, for the the Euros? Is the next one? Yes, the Euros. Um, so they are qualified for that. So they are, I so they are sort of, you know, inverted commas, important games, not friendlies. I don't know how important we want to say they are, um, especially when we're like, sort of thinking about Stoke. But like I say, the amount of, just like I say, the, the amount of injuries that we get from international games is ridiculous. And it's not as if the entire squad go out to these international games. So we only got a select few players, haven't we? But it seems that. You know, no matter however many, the um, the the always pick up pick up injuries. I mean, Solskjaer, I think did he, he may come back with tonsillitis? I don't from the last one. I know he's just been out empty for a couple of weeks with that. He probably got it whilst he was on England duty. <laughs> um, like I say just just quickly wrap up. I mean, the goals. Just shocking defending again, aren't they? I mean, uh, anything, any anyone at fault in particular? Do you think? Yes, I'm telling you straight. And everybody saw it. Rose. Rose. Rose did it the week before. Um, I shouldn't really get a bit irate, I'm sorry. But Rose, um, he keeps getting done. And then um, he turns his back. He turns his back on the free kick. What does that say to you? We have a free kick and we've got a central defender who turns his back. And once he turns his back, he lets that player on his own to put it away. It's the same goal sort of thing as we conceded last last weekend. So are we the only ones that have seen this? Why is the management not seen the mistake? Why are they not either... You know what? Come off some. We'll put the and we've got enough defenders, central defenders. We can put two on. Why? Why is Rose getting first choice? Are we missing something with this guy? Because he's not doing very well in front of the fans. And I've been. I went Huddersfield. I went Bournemouth. You can see how much money I'm spending on watching games, and I'm watching the same thing. Rose making a mistake. I'm not picking him out on purpose, but when you see. A player doing it, you kind of focus on that player. You, you start watching it. Oh no! And he got the ball, and when he gets the ball, he doesn't loop to pass forward. He'll pass sideways, or he'll get intercepted, or he'll kick it out. He kicks it out a lot. We've noticed that as well. 
And then he just looks dejected. He doesn't, I think it's, it's something going on with him. Either his morale's down or he's just not good enough. It's one or the other, but I think somebody needs to put their arm around him and try and bring him back. Take him off the, pe- off the pitch and give him a break and bring, you know, give somebody else a chance. Surely it can't be any worse because two games is the same area where Rose was that a second goal has gone in. And if you remember the last game, it was a double defending area for the first goal as well. And that was Rose and McNally. So what can we do? What is, what would you say? Uh, personally, I think McNally should be back in. I think he proved it at Coventry that he's you know, a, a top prospect of a defender. Um, obviously, he took Rose out to that side. I think there's still rough edges on McNally. I think obviously that's why... Uh, he's been loaned out again, hasn't he? If he was the finished article, Burnley would have kept him. So there are going to be rough, rough times with him, I think. But I think he's a better defender than, than Rose is. And for me, I'd, I'd have Will Mott and McNally. That is exactly what I was saying in the last two games. Why is Rose being picked over McNally? Because McNally seems to know the game better. Um there's something going on. He's getting, he's like he's a manager's favourite, but he's making mistakes. If I was manager and I was thinking, you know what, this carries on, my job can come beyond the line. I don't care who you are. If I don't take your playing well, you're off that pitch. You may be my mate or not, but I'm sorry, if you're not good enough, you're not picked. Simple as that. You, you, you go and earn your place. He told us, if you remember, the manager told us we've got players for every position on this pitch, and if you don't perform, you lose your position. Well, Rose is not performing, and guess what? He hasn't lost his position, so what's going on? Do you, do you think maybe, obviously, we've, we've conceded a lot of goals from like set pieces, haven't we, in that recently? Um, do you think, obviously, Rose appears to be a little bit taller into the McNally and, and Wilmot as well? Um, although Wilmot seems to be better in the end, both of them. Do you think that maybe that's playing into it? Do you think the manager's leaving him in there because he's a bit more height to defend? Or do you think maybe that's the opposition we've been playing? You know, Hull can be quite, um, can be direct at times. Obviously, Preston have played that way. You know, that was sort of a recent home game, wasn't it? Uh, Huddersfield oh. under Warnock would play that way. Do you think? That that's maybe been why he's played more recently. I think he's played in more because of you know he's played he's been in the game a bit longer, hasn't he? Um, yeah. But I mean the the Mark, irony the irony is that obviously if you see that goal at Huddersfield that he just went he just wandered out to the set piece didn't he and left the guy unmarked. <laughs> um, yeah, well, this is my argument here as well. Um, if you were a defender, right? Would you ever turn your back on a ball that, that, that's like a free kick or a ball that's coming in? He's turned his back and walked, uh, run away from the ball. And then once he's done that and you turn back to look for the ball, you've lost the ball and you don't know where the ball's gone. Game over, they're going to score a goal. A defender, we're so used to like, the Ryan Shawcross and Robert Hoof. If that ball was coming over, either you're being taken out or that ball's going out of play. There was no ifs or buts, and they wouldn't move. And you, they literally, you know, a one-man machine. They would both of them stand there. And now we've got a defender that the ball's coming over, and he's turning his back on the ball. And the, 
How can you do? How can you defend set pieces if you if you're not even watching the ball? You know, I can understand the same ball watching, but even watching a play, it it's like one minute he's in the game and next minute he's drifting off and he goes off somewhere. And he's like, "Oi, wake up! What are you doing?" And he gets caught out so many times. If you, you've been the away games and you've seen it yourself, and you've seen the own games. How many times does Rose get caught out and they get past him and? You know, and somebody else has to clean up the mess. He, he's a liability. And to me, and I don't know if a lot of Stoke fans will agree with this, but to me, Roche will be either on the bench or just on the under-23s, get rid of him. I don't care. But do not have him starting on that pitch. Yeah, I think we probably may see some changes, uh, which obviously we'll get into in a minute for the Bristol City. It wouldn't surprise me one, one bit if Rose was one of them. Um, right, going to... Just finish off now. So we've got some audio from Kirk, a Bournemouth fan from the the podcast uh, Cherry's Red Army. So let's have a listen to what he thought about the match. Kirk here from Cherry's Red Army, walking away from Dean Court to what was Bournemouth 2, Stoke City nil in the Carabao Cup third round. And the Cherries will be in the fourth round hat very, very soon. Looking forward to that. This game, though, the first half was a poor watch for both sets of fans and any neutral, lacked quality, lacked tempo. In the second half, though, Bournemouth manager Andoni Iriola decided to make changes. He got Dom Solanke and Ron Christie in this game. That did bring energy, that did bring a press, and it brought two goals inside eight minutes of that second half. Dom Solanke with the first. Joe Rockwell with the second. That would be enough for us in the end. There were some late chances for Stoke City in the final stages of the game, but Stoke couldn't take any of those chances and it would be a clean sheet for Bournemouth. So we go into the next round. Important for us that we got a win, build some confidence, got some minutes into the likes of Tyler Adams, got his debut off the bench. For you guys, you'll head back into the championship. I'm hoping you can pick up some form. We've got a lot of time for Ben Pearson. We want Mark Travis to do well. So we wish you all the best for the rest of the season. For us, maybe a little cup run. Cheers for that, Kirk. Um, Right, so I've got one last question for you, Brendan, on, on this match. As our man on the ground, the man who was there, saw the game going on, one of the few 500, you say, Stoke fans that were there. One, two, three. Who are your man of the match? It's a tough one, but who are your best Stoke players on the night? Who, who you know, of, of, who's devoid of criticism the most? <laughs> um, I don't, to be fair, what I saw, I wouldn't give any of them. I, I really wouldn't. This has got to be the hardest decision ever. If You, you know what I mean? Um we made too many mistakes. Um, I might give it Bonham, but Bonham kept kicking the ball to the same person. Um, is it Gooch? I think oh, that's that's all I choose, Gooch. I can't say anybody else. Cause, yeah, Gooch nobody else. Did. I mean, you could use your subs. Did you say Nathan Lowe you were impressed with earlier on? Yeah, Nathan. Yeah. I'll go with Nathan Lowe as number two because Nathan Lowe kind of changed the game when he came on. I'll give him that. Um, I couldn't really see any more. I'd just say one and two. I'd stick with that because nobody else in that team, in my opinion, don't deserve it. They don't deserve to be paid. If I could get away with saying don't pay them, 
I wouldn't pay him because they weren't even interested. There was too many people. They were just the passing. They can't even do simple passing at the moment either. We just don't get what's going on. I, I just think they should go back in that room and somebody have a right good go at them and just say, listen, make yourselves be counted and stop being, you know, make an effort at least show the fans what you can do. Because we saw we saw something different at the start of the season before, you know, before Vidigal got injured, we saw, hey, oh, we've got a chance here, we've got a good team, we do really well with scoring goals. As soon as Vidigal got injured, the team's just like imploded. It's like They've lost the heart and something's gone wrong behind the scenes. Something needs changing and something, somebody needs to come out and say what's going on because the fans aren't going to put up with this for long. You know how strong Stoke fans are, but you know full well if this continues, either the worst scenario, and I don't want this to happen because we've gone through so many managers, the fans are going to force the manager out or we're going to be in a relegation battle. Not not promotion, not playoffs. We're going to be in a relegation battle. And I just hope that if we ended up in a relegation battle, these players are not good enough and strong enough to keep us up. We'll, we'll be in real big trouble. Yeah, do you think maybe they've got the individual ability to, to get us out of a relegation scrap? But I've, like I say, I've, have they yet to show us they've got the heart and the passion to uh, to win those you know those three points when you're scrapping it out against someone else at the bottom. Let's hope we don't even have to find that out. Eh? Let's hope that you know, we get a bit of form coming lately. But I'm with you in regards to you know I, I don't think it's wise to to get on the managers back or the players back at the minute. I think you know as as difficult as it is, we're still in a very big settling in period for a lot of a lot of these players. You know, they've a lot of them have only been here a matter of what weeks, five weeks, four weeks, five weeks. I think yeah, they've come from you know players coming from all over, and it's going to take it is taking time to to sort of bed in. And, that. and I was wonder, like you're saying there, once the fans start turning, it's going to be difficult. But it just sort of my plea would be just try and try. I know it's difficult, but just try and be patient with them because. The more we get on the back, and the more we, you know, um, sort of, did I say demand change with the manager and everything else? I, I think it's counterproductive. I think it'll stifle, stifle their uh, ability to take risks and to grow and to to flourish and develop as players in this team. Um, I think it'll put them it'll put them on edge, and we've seen that. You know, the home form's been crap for years compared to away form. It's possibility that you know the, the 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 rubbish that we've had to sit through as Stoke fans for so many years, and the uh, the you know, the sort of the feeling that there was going around the ground for all that time, which seemed to disappear at the start of this year. You know, we did seem like we drew online under what had gone before. We were it was a fresh start. Let's hope you know that sort of apathy then doesn't come back into the club um, because I think it would be you know it would be, be disappointing really and. And I think it's only going to set us backwards if we do sort of replace the manager at this point because, you know, we've got to get a new manager in then. And we've seen ourselves, you know, Gary Rowett brought a squad full of players in and on contracts and everything else. And it took four years to sort that mess out. 
if we've just signed 17 players, if we bring another manager in and he says, well, actually, I don't want these, like, I need me new, my players, you've either got two options, you either tell him he's got to work with players that don't suit, his, don't, don't suit him or he doesn't want, or you've then got a load of players you've got to try and get rid of, or you know, you end up out on loan or whatever, and we'll be another four years of financial you know, FFP problems before we can sort all that mess out. So it's not ideal. Um, but like I say, I think the best option at this point is be patient and let's let's get behind them, get behind the players, get behind the manager and give him time. Let's hope that you know we can let's hope that we can just come through this the other side with you know, by sticking together and being united. Yeah, I totally agree with you, but he's also got to come out and just say, right, I've made a mistake. Um, we're going back to the drawing board. I think the manager needs to do what the manager did um, before and be completely and open with the fans and stop saying the same things in your um, pre-match report. If you think we played bad, I'd respect the manager more and say, you know what, we played bad in defence, I'll sort it out. Um, it needs sorting, so it will be sorted. You know, or just say, oh, I can see what the problem is. Yeah, we're going to sort it out. We'll go back to the drawing board and things will be changed by our next game. And then change the team. Because, you know, like you said before, you didn't know at first what the team's going to be. We're starting to see the same team, the same players in the same positions, and then the same mistakes. So, but the manager, if he wants to keep going and the fans to get behind him, um, just be open with the fans. That's that's one of the things that I don't think Stoke have had for a long time. An honest manager that, you know, I mean, we had Nathan Jones, but what, where did that end up, to be fair? Um, but yeah. I think this, <laughs> this, this manager, I think, I like him. This, the best of it is, I do like him, but I just want him to be a bit more more with the fans. Like he was trying to do at the beginning before the season started. But now it's time to, you know, part on the shoulder and say, you know what? Let's start again, guys. You know, we'll we'll have another go at it. We'll change it. We'll go back to the drawing board and see what we can do for the next game. Don't beat around the bush and don't say, oh, we were in that game halfway through. No, we weren't. We were there. I'm sorry, um, Alex, but we were there. We watched that game. We weren't in it. They were just hoofball, come back, attack. Managed to luckily get the ball back, pass it on the defence, keeper, hoof ball. That that's basic. That is not even any strategic move in there. There was no one of the frustrating things, the movement. No one was running for anyone. If you get a throw in, they were casually they were shouting at each other, you know, come for the ball. Nobody wanted the ball. That was the problem. I think it's time that players but you know stand up and say okay uh, I haven't played great but you'll never get that you never get the players coming forward and saying okay I am uh, you know hands up in the air I'll try and sort myself out everybody uh, this is like what you just said everybody blames the manager but where's the players accountability for what they're doing where are the players saying you know what Let's see what we can do. They never do. And you'll never, ever get a player admit, 
I'm not playing well today, or I'm not playing well the past couple of weeks because they never do. They get they come out and say I'm not playing well. The next thing that's going to happen is they're going to get benched, and they won't do it. So at the end of the day, it, the fans need to try and get behind the manager. I know it's hard, and I, I I agree. Like you know, don't give up on him because we can't keep going back to and let's blame the manager. Let's blame the manager. See, this manager's come in now and cleaned out the rot. Yeah, we've got 17 players, but I don't think, personally, I don't think he's had time to fit, to work out who the 17, who, who's his best best players out of their 17 are yet, because mistakes are happening. We need to cut the mistakes out, and then one of the biggest things I think Alex Neal needs to do once he starts working out who his strongest players are, and you might agree with this with this one, is stick to the same team. Stop changing. Taking his time to to find his best eleven. Probably not helped by the fact that you know Vidigal got injured, Mai got injured, Burger's now injured. You know, them three possibly could be the three best signings of the lot. Um and I mean, like I say, we we've we've signed seventeen players, that's seventeen risks. At, 17 risks aren't all going to come off. I mean, people were having a little research. Um, I you know, saw a lot of people abusing, you know, giving a lot of abuse, to be honest, after the match against Bournemouth, saying, you know, he's not good enough, get rid of him, he never, you know, shouldn't be playing for us, nowhere near good enough. I thought, well, the guy's got 200 games in Serie A, so he's not a dud, let's be honest. <laughs> he probably just needs a little bit of time to settle in, and he probably didn't help that he's played in about four different positions already since he's come in. Um, and, and you know his worst game was at right back, so he's not a right back. He's he's an attacker who can play who can play wing back. That's not a right back. That your right back are defenders, <laughs> um, or central you know centrals if you if you Terry Pulis. But <laughs> um, so like I say, they're not all going to come off. Some of them are you. Know, Going to be shipped out, not you know, haven't settled on good enough, can't adapt to the game, uh, didn't kick on. There are going to be some of them, you know. You'll probably be you'll be lucky if you get more than half your half your players, um, you signing to come in good. So let's you know, let's just hope this first batch we get a few decent ones out of it, you know, then we can get rid of the others in 12, 18, 24 months' time, reinvest. Yeah, and that's just how it's going to have to be, isn't it? Um, what about the what, what about the free market? Because um, some of the state fans were saying this: you can still we can still sign players on the free transfers. Is that correct or not? Yes, we've got there's two vacancies in the squad, so yeah, we can uh, anyone who's anybody who was out of contract when the transfer window closed can. Uh, so if they were in contract with somebody else on September the 1st, then they can't play for anyone now till January, anyone else. But if they were out of contract when the transfer window shut, they can sign for players who've got spaces in their 25-man squad. Uh, we only named 23 players, so yeah, we've got a couple of spaces. Um, I know, we've, obviously, we're looking at defenders. The manager said, don't rule anything out, but it's unlikely at this stage. So yeah, I think he's... he's Maybe even could be saving up for emergency, <laughs> um, or you just you know these. I suppose the players you have to wonder why they haven't been picked up by somebody before the window shut. Um, 
and obviously now you're going to be bringing somebody in who hasn't been training for however long or you know, playing any matches. So that's sort of the sort of the, the worry with it, isn't it? And you can't you can't sign anyone on loan now, can you? Has it got to wait till the no. next transfer window? Yeah, got to wait till January. Which I assume come January the first, I wouldn't be surprised to see us bring in a you know, centre half and a left, probably a left back, uh, even if it's just cover um, straight away. I think, and even you know maybe even get a centre forward as well. And I think that um, you know it may it may have to be that we have to wait. And, Till later in the window, similar to we did in the summer, you know, because you're looking for players, and you know, if they're half good, they've probably got half a dozen clubs after them, and you've got to just, you know, make sure you've got the better offer, or, you know, you, you you're closest to the club's valuation, but they're going to wait in case someone else comes in with a bigger bid. I think you've got there might be all them kind of games going on, but like I say, it wouldn't it also wouldn't surprise me if we've got a deal sorted, you know. A few weeks beforehand, and come January first, we go bang bang. Two new players, just what we needed to get them in. Yeah, um, well, like I say with, with the left back thing, I was just thinking, I wonder if we're going to sign a, a free transfer or left back or something because we are really weak at that position. It's it's terrifying, you know. The one natural left back we have, like you say, he's out for a month, but the, and, and it happens to the month with three of the biggest games in. Yeah, um, I think I say it's it's also as well that Josh Timon left to go and get first team football. Okay, you know because obviously he realised that he was probably going to be a second string behind Stevens, and the idea really being that if he'd have stayed, he'd have played every match since. Once because Stevens then got injured a few days later. Yeah, um, but like I said, he was crying when he left. I don't think he really wanted to go. That was the the sad part about it, but. It was just one of the things. I think Stoke needed the money to, as well to invest in another player. So it's it's a shame for him, but it's just one of them things. But I've, I just hope Stevens can get back um, fit sooner than later because we are lacking and we are really weak now in that area. Yeah. Right. We've spoken enough about Bournemouth. Let's uh, crack on now. Let's, I'm going to give you some news and then we'll get into Bristol City. So last week, the under-18s, they had a home loss, or one nil at home to Derby. Uh, so Ogbebor for Stoke and Goff for Derby were both sent off on 88 minutes. And then Garside Kelly was also sent off for Stoke a minute later, uh, which then led to Derby scoring a 93rd minute winner through Allen. So yeah, that was the the only goal of the game coming after some quite quite uh, eventful last few minutes. It seems there uh, this week the under 18s they travel up to Blackburn on Saturday 11 a.m. kickoff there. Under 21s, so they had a 2-0 loss at home to Spurs on Monday. Uh, Salsa debuted from tonsillitis to start that game. Uh, well, as Nathan Lowe was taken off early in the f- after about half an hour, but obviously that was with the. Uh, the thought process, I imagine, of the uh, the game against, uh, obviously, the aforementioned game we just discussed against Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, two first-off goals settled this game, and this week uh, they travel up to Middlesbrough to the under-21s. Uh, that's games on Friday with a 7pm kickoff. 
Now the women, so last week the women went to Stourbridge and drew 2-2. Heidi Logan with her eighth of the season, open scoring and Abby Hunt put Stoke 2-0 up uh, before a fight back from the host in the second half. So Stourbridge pulled on back and the 95th minute they equalised to share the points. So a bit of a kick in the teeth there for Stoke City women late on. Uh, this week the Stoke women travel up to Halifax uh, for a Women's League Cup game, 2pm kickoff on Sunday. And in fact, they actually travel back to Halifax next Sunday for the next game as well, which is a league game. Um, so, yeah, hopefully uh, we can see them progress in the Women's League Cup this week. Uh, news-wise, uh, there's been uh, the training ground is going to be extended. So, well, Stoke are hoping to. They're discussing with local residents. They're hoping to build a two-storey building uh, for the men's team, the men's first team to use. And then the current building uh, will then be used by the academy and the women's side. So, yeah, Stoke looking to expand that. They said it's going to be placed at the minute where they do a lot of the warm-ups. That's where this new building has been proposed. Uh, so yeah, we'll have to see how that develops if we have any more news on it going forward. Tyrese Campbell now, he's going to be out until after, until the international break, it seems. That's the news coming out of Stoke. Um, so yeah, not fantastic. A bit of a hamstring issue for him. Uh, we mentioned the academy just well. Phil Bardsley, his, he now has two sons in the Spotters Academy. So Rocco, 14, was already there and he's now been joined by his younger brother, Renz. It was nine. Um, so, yeah, so two two Bardsleys in the academy for Stoke. And also more academy news is Gareth Owen is staying on as academy director. Being very successful, but a lot of players coming through into the first team and around the first team squad um, with Gareth in as the academy director. He said he was going to leave at the end of September for a new challenge, uh, but he's made a bit of a U-turn. Now says he's staying on. So hopefully uh, the direction the, the academy's going, the club's going, um, hopefully that's what sort of uh, yeah, made him stay on. So that's a positive. Um, and any other business, <laughs> Bay. So Bay did his initiation this uh, year after signing. And I think the Buxton Supporters Club had a meeting and there was uh, three step players there. I think um, and one of them was Frank Fielding. And obviously he was he was talking about this and mentioned that uh, the, he was sitting on Google Translate trying to explain to Bay you know, what, what was going on. Um, with all these new players doing initiations and he said to him, Oh what what you know, why don't you send the Korean national anthem and, and Bay got up there and then um kicked out Gangam style and apparently like the roof came off the place, everybody was loving it. Um so yeah, fair play to him and seems like I say he's uh, hopefully he's gonna set up the him and all the new players as well. So you know they're gonna bet in with each other and and uh, yes, hopefully soon that'll start sharing on the pitch as well. Right, I think it's time we uh, talk about Bristol City. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. 
That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So I've got some stats for you. So Bristol City, we've played them 62 times. We have 27 victories, 15 draws and 20 defeats. At Ashton Gate, we've visited there on 32 occasions. Been victorious 10 times. We've had 11 draws and 11 defeats. So nice and uh, nice and level that there. Uh, there's only been one draw in the last 13 meetings dating back to 2002. Um, so yeah, that's uh, not not many draws there, win or loss. So let's hope that uh, yeah, it's the first away win of the season. <laughs> uh, since two thousand eighteen, there has been uh, ten meetings between Stoke and Bristol City, and only one has been won by the home side. Um, so yeah, if it's going to be a win, the chances are, according to that stat, it's going to be a Stoke one. Um, what this what stat is says on the otherwise though is that Stoke's away record this season played six, drew one, uh, played five, sorry, drew one, lost four, and we've got no win in our last nine away games, including no goals in seven of those nine games. Uh, not great that one. <clears throat> Bristol City's home record played six, won two, drew two, lost two. Um, and they also, in their last home game, they ended three home games without scoring a goal uh, by beating Plymouth 4-1. That was last, it was about 10 days uh, before this game. Uh, if Ben Wilmot starts this match, he will then tie with Tyrese Campbell for most starts in the current squad. That's 88. Uh, Andre Vidigal, he's the top scorer in the squad this season. I've seen with three of these five goals, but they've all come at home. Uh, but one thing is, he has scored in both his substitute appearances for Stoke. Uh, Bristol City, so what players did they got back from last season? They've got 21 players who were contracted to them last season, uh, while Stoke only have seven. Uh, Sam Bell, a uh, left winger with three goals, and then uh, Mark Sykes, right winger, and Matty James, centre mid, with two apiece, are the only players to score more than a single goal for Bristol City this season. Uh, so it seems the midfield seems to be where the, uh, the goal's coming from. Uh, Nigel Pearson, he's the third longest serving manager in the Championship after being appointed in February 2021. Alex Neal sits ninth in that list, if you're curious, after being in charge of Stoke for 13 months um, some more tactical stats here so only Southampton have had more than Stoke's 24 yellow cards uh, this season whilst only Plymouth and Millwall and Middlesbrough have had less than Bristol City's 14 Bristol City average 49.8% possession at home, while Stokes' average of 60.6% possession away from home is again only bettered by Southampton. Um, Stoke are quite direct, it seems, away from home. They average 23 aerial duels won per away game compared to 17 at home. Uh, only Rotherham, who averaged 24.3, and Preston, who averaged a massive 36.3 um, winning aerial duels. Um, 
have more away from home than Stoke. And despite having the lowest goal scored away from home in the league with just two, Stoke actually have had the fourth most shots in away games uh, with 14.8 average shots per game. Uh, Bristol City average 11.3 per home game. Yeah, uh, one as well, obviously we know we're so crap at defending set pieces. Uh, one slight good point for us is that Bristol City have yet to score with a header this season. So we might get away with that. <laughs> um, the referee. So the referee is Jeremy Simpson. So this season he's ref seven games. He's given out 23 yellows, one red and one penalty. There's been five home wins and two away wins. Um, in his career, with the stats we've got here say 239 matches. He's given 852 yellows, 43 reds and given 60 penalties. Uh, 43% of his matches have been home wins, 28% have been away wins. His record with Stoke, he's been quite prompt, quite um, prominent with both Stoke and Bristol City, actually. So he's ref Stoke 15 times, given us 27 yellows, no reds. Uh, he's given one penalty against us, two penalties for us, and he's given two red cards to the opposition. Uh, we've won six, drew three, lost six. Um, away from home, that's won three, uh, drew one, lost four. And last season, the only ref is in one game, and it was the game two refers in, our 5-1 victory away at Sunderland. So I'll take a repeat of that on Saturday. I'm sure Alex Neal will as well. Um, Bristol City record. Well, he's had 17 matches in Bristol City, giving them 35 yellows, no reds. Uh, given four penalties against them, though. Um, that'll be interesting if he makes that five. <laughs> um, one penalty for them, and uh, he's given one red card to the opposition. Uh, those 17 matches, they've won only four, drawing six and losing seven. And uh, actually, he seems to ref quite a lot away from home for Bristol City because he's only been to Ashton Gate on four occasions, one win or one loss and two draws for them. Uh, last season, he refed them on four occasions, a 2-0 away win at Swansea, a 1-1 draw away at Coventry, a 2-1 home loss to QPR and a 3-3 draw away at Blackpool. And he's actually been a ref for over 30 years years and been on the EFL official list since 2007. On this day, so 30th of September, in the impressive start to the Southern League season of 1909-10, continued with an 8-1 thumping of Ton Pentra, hot on the heels of an 11-0 victory over Merthyr. So it seems like we were in the Southern League, sounds more like we were in the Welsh League. Arthur Griffiths again scored a hat-trick as Stoke eased past the Welsh opposition. So I will take either 8-1 or 11-0. 5-1 from Sunderland. I'll take any of them results on Saturday. In fact, I think I'll take 1-0 Scrappy. And we only have one shot. <laughs> right, let's have a listen to... Uh, obviously, we've got some audio here. So we've got some audio from our friends at Bristol City and also from our good friend and regular contributor to the podcast, Graham McGarry. Hello there, once again, you Potter's predictors, and it's back to Championship football, knowing that you need some points on the board. Not getting anywhere near the amount of points that Alex Neal would have wanted in the opening six or seven weeks of the new season. And with the 10-game mark looming, he knows he's got to improve the results. 
Things haven't been going well, and of course he can't get the side that he probably wants to be putting out. But he has to get on with it, and he's up against somebody you Stoke City fans will know well when it's Nigel Pearson's Bristol City side that they go to at Ashton Gate on Saturday afternoon. Bristol City themselves, well, they've had some good results, but they've also had some inconsistent results, but not as bad as Stoke, and it's about time Stoke really did hit the ground running. They've got to start picking up points. I'm not saying they're going to get three points. The best I can go for for this week's prediction is Bristol City 1, Stoke City 1. Although City coming into this game off the back of a loss away at Leicester last Saturday, it's probably the most positive and happy a Bristol City fan base have been in the last few seasons. I mean, the football we're playing is attractive, attacking football. Um, The sort of thing we've wanted to see for the last four or five seasons we haven't really got we've seen it in you know spells like that season where we beat Man United and went on a cup run uh, under Lee Johnson but this is the first time we've seen it week in week out we've probably seen it for about the last four or five weeks really Um, it probably started back in uh, maybe August you know when when we went to to Hull City obviously a very tough place to go we managed to get a point there Um, we arguably that was probably the the best performance of the season heading into that one. And then we went on a, a four-game unbeaten run. You know, the wins at Swansea, drew drew with West Brom at home, and then obviously that 4-1 win against Plymouth. And I mean, even on Saturday, although we lost, I mean, overall the fan base was, was still quite happy. I mean, you know, a 1-0 loss due to a penalty as well. I mean, it was a silly challenge. And I think if you didn't make that challenge, then, you know, we may have even come away with a point and go into Leicester, you know, a month into the season when they're they're starting to get you know in the mood and in into the groove of things, I mean things a very good result. Um, coming to this game on Saturday though, I mean, I'm looking to hopefully get a win. I mean, I know Stoke are on some pretty poor form uh, recently. Also, they played a midweek, uh, which I think will be a massive factor. Obviously, we've got we've had a whole week to prepare for this when you've only had two or three days. Um, so overall, I think everything's really in our favour. I mean, I'm saying this now, it's going to come out, you know, we're probably going to drop points on Saturday now. But I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I'm hoping for a win. And I think we will get the win as well. I mean, I reckon if I had to score predict, I'd probably go for a 2-0 City win. Um, I'd probably go with maybe Jason Knight and Harry Cornick to score. Um, I mean, Jason Knight especially looked very good over the last few weeks. I mean... There's people on Twitter comparing him to like Alex Scott, which is obviously, you know, crazy. But I mean, that just shows how good he has been since coming in. The likes of Mark Sykes as well, Sam Bell, Harry Cornick have looked good over the last few weeks as well. So I'm hoping, you know, we'll be able to bounce back after that loss on Saturday and hopefully pick up the three points. So, trip to Ashton Gate, Brendan. Or will you be attending this one as well, mate? Not this one. I'm actually working, so I can't actually make it, but um, to be fair, I'm exhausted from this, this trip. I mean, you know, yeah. I am so tired, it's unreal. <laughs> I've got some of my friends going down, so I'll be having uh, conversations while they're down there. Oh, uh, bro, well, uh, it's a few, it's interesting, it's with a different Bristol City side than last season, quite a bit, aren't you? De Silva left in the summer, he went Coventry into the left back, he was a big player for him. Obviously, Alex Scott was the uh, the wonder kid that they brought through. On he's he's uh, left for the Premier League. Um, so yeah, two big holes in the squad there. I mean, Tommy Conway 
young lad coming through. He's injured. He sort of got injured on the 5th of August, so sort of first game. And I think he was very much a key man for him last year. I know he's only like 20, 21, but he's scoring and assisting quite heavily last year. So I think he's been a big miss for them. Uh, time for us to take advantage, isn't it, really? Uh, if we play like we did at Huddersfield, I think we've got a chance. We've just got to uh, cut out the silly mistakes and um, set pieces. And we keep saying that week in and week out, but that never changes. <laughs> but fingers crossed. Um, but I think Vidigal should start. I think this could be um, a good game for him. If, they, if they've got so many spaces and they're not performing as well as what they are, this is, this is the sort of team we should be taking apart. We say that. But what happens when Stoke play a weaker team? We end up losing. So <laughs> I'm sitting on the sidelines on this one. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, it does. Yeah, the one the games you expect is win. We'll probably go and win the next five or six through October. Now everyone's been panicking about uh, the fixtures we've got coming up. Really. Um, I think, like I say, with Vidigal, it wouldn't surprise me if he stayed in a two just to keep Vidigal more central because. Rob Dickey, Cal Naismith, you know, two experienced defenders in the championship. You know, Rob Dickey was really highly rated at one point when he was at QPR. Once he was up there with Harry Suter as the best in the league. Um, seems to have dropped quite considerably since then. Cal Naismith, you know, again, another good player in that. I think, I yeah, I really think he can get at them. I think Vinegal can, you know, buzz around. Um, I know away from home, he's not quite had the same impact yet as he is as he has in the home games. But yeah, for me, I think um, he, he could Vidigal could be the key. It's just a shame, like I say, it really is that Ryan May is hasn't been available um, for these games recently because I think he could have made a massive difference. I really like Ryan May. I think um, May was uh, really coming on, and I think. He's very good with control of the ball and he likes to take people on. We are really missing him at the moment. How long is he, how long is he out for? Any idea? Because I've not heard how long he's out for. No, it's one of them cards close to the chest. So, I mean, he could just appear in the side on Saturday. That That's how we're, that's how we're working. <laughs> that's how we roll with Alex Neal. Uh, I remember when Josh Tymon came back at Hull last year, it was just like out of nowhere. He, oh, yeah, he's injured, he's injured, he's injured. And he got to the point where people stopped asking because he'd been out, you know, and then all of a sudden the, the team sheet drops. It's like, bloody hell, Josh Tarman's back. Um, so hopefully we have a situation with Ryan Mai. Um, you know, obviously we've got three big games coming up this week. Could do with could do with him back. Um, ASAP. Uh, talking of strikers, Bristol City, obviously Andreas Weiman, Naki Wells, uh, getting on a bit now, aren't they, a pair of them? You know, the wrong side of 30. Um, Wells approaching sort of mid thirties, but they know the league could do with some of that, can't we? In our squad, they know the championship, they know where the back of the net is. Um, Will Mott and I take it McNally after our conversation earlier, gonna have to be gonna have to be on the toes a bit, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, I say they got experience in the championship. This is what we're lacking. Um, even, no matter what, what managers we sign, we've never really signed um, championship prolific or, you know, someone with a bit of oomph. 
Um, but yeah, I think they need to be on form because these two will the the bully boys. They'll bully them. They know where the ball is. They know how the how the referees work. They know what what to do. I think we need to get ready for a bit of rough and tough at the at the back because they're gonna they're not gonna just tap the ball and or try. You know they're gonna try and knock us about a bit and uh, hopefully our lads can uh, stand up to it and give it a bit back. Um, I tell you what, with these. I tell you what with these them two just mentioned as well. They may be, you know, they, they may be like I say getting on a bit. They might be a bit slower. Might be a bit easier to contain um, as centre halves. You know, you can sort of dominate them a bit more than you used to be able to keep them quiet and that. But if we defend like we have been doing, where we're gifting major chances to players, them two will be putting straight in the back of the net. Let me tell you, they, you know, so. We've got to cut out the stupid mistakes because they've got players there who will take advantage of them. That's why I dropped Rose without question and put Manali on because Rose, like I said to you, he, he messes around, he, he literally panics. He, he's the main one that's giving the ball back to the keeper every time he gets the ball. And two players like that, you know for a while, it only takes one bad, one bad back pass and they'll either eliminate it or if he turns his back on one of them, they, they're the sort of strikers that they've been there. They know what they're doing. As soon as he turns his back, it's thank you very much and they'll put it away. And that it only takes one goal for us to lose at the moment because we, we're very, very hard to come back from a 1-0 down. We do it very rare. I mean, we did it at Huddersfield, but last season and this season, um, you know for well, if they get 1-0, we, have we got what it takes to get back? Maybe. But you wouldn't put your life on it, and that—that's the problem. And a lot of teams know that, and that's why I think a lot of teams are doing. I've noticed they're doing a lot more set pieces, like corners and the free kicks. How they're doing them? They're not launching the ball, and they're doing short, short passes, and then crossing over. And I would, I would, some of our players just stand still, and it's so frustrating. And if they do that against these two, these two, like I say, they got the history. They know what they're doing. They'll, we could be end up losing three 0 if we're not be careful. Three or four 0 Um, what's your team then? I take it Travers is back in goal. Oh, you really and Wilmot definite. Um who do you have at left back? I'd I'd be tempted to play him from Colchester, give him a run out. I know you just said it about the right footy, but I'd still be tempted to play him at left back. Uh McNally. Um Gooch. Um, I can't think of him. Uwe, yeah. Actually, Uwe played all right yesterday, by the way. I'd probably say he was okay. He was not great, but he was. He wasn't out there. He, he was trying his best, though. I think. I don't know what's going on with Uwe because Uwe was flying at one stage and then all of a sudden they just dropped him. He got an injury, didn't he? He got an injury, yeah. Uh... Yeah, well, I'd still, I'd, I'd still have Uber every day of the week in my team because he's one of them players that he'll, he'll run at you and he'll have a go. You know what I mean? He yeah, does see, get caught. involved. Hoover, yeah. Hoover, Wilmot, McNally, and did you say Gooch or Junior at left back? Uh, I'd have Gooch. Gooch. No. Uh, no oh yeah, I'd have Junior. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I'd have Junior. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd give him a chance because I've not seen him play yet, so I want to see what he's like. Um, so, would you... What, so, what midfield are you game with? Are you pick, putting Gooch in the midfield or...? 
Is he yeah, dropped Yeah, I, Gooch was trying yesterday. Um, what's his name? Uh, the one we had on loan from Celtic. I can never get his name right. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'd have him. Do you know what? I'd have him up front as well. I'd have him up front with um, Vidigal because I'd like to see them two work together. And um, what's the other one? Uh, one the, the one that's hey. is it Chinese? Yeah, that's him. I can't get his name. I get. I'm not good at names at the moment. I'm so tired. I'd have them on. I'd like all three of them up front because I think. Imagine the speed of them three. Yes. I see. I'd like to see what they. Yeah, I'd like long to them though. But that's the thing. Why? Why? Why launch it long? Why not play it down to the pitch? Why not go for these guys? Like you said, this this team, uh, Bristol, are a bit slower. They're a bit older, aren't they? And they've lost some of the best players. So. Why not just take it to them, take some speed and, and see what we can do, lay off for each other. Try something different because, like you, you said, just, um, well, basically, we, we, what we saw at, what we saw at uh, Bournemouth, sorry, is what we saw the week before, is what we see the week before. Why not try something different? It doesn't work in already what we're doing now, so what have we got to lose by changing it up? Okay, who's in your midfield? Um, do you know, I can't think. I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm too tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we're going to Pearson, Gooch, Loran, uh, Johnson. Johnson, Pe- yeah, Johnson, Pearson. I would not play Loran. I'm sorry. And you might bite my head off here, but Laurent <laughs> has been dreadful for the past three games. And I mean, even yesterday, he was abs- He came on and he gave the ball away three times on the bounce. And I'm like, what is going on with Laurent? This is supposed to be a captain. I'd drop him. I wouldn't even play Laurent. I, he's, he's been... I don't know what's going on with him. He's a, That's another one I wanted moan about. <laughs> Sorry about him. <laughs> um, like when he played the last game on the Saturday... Josh Leron, he isn't the same player from last season, you know. And I, I've seen, I've watched Leron, and I have a lot of respect for Leron, but I don't know what's going on. But his passing's off. He's out. He's missing from the play as well, you know. When you you when you're on the attack, he's too far behind. And last season, you know, and I know, if the ball came across and Leron was there, how quick would Leron have a shot? Without question, bang, Lebron would shoot. This season, no, he's passing it. Something's going on, Lebron, that we don't know about behind the scenes. Has he been told not to shoot? I don't know. But I wouldn't have Lebron on my starting lineup at the moment, not until I see drastic things change with him. Fair enough. Um, I don't like I... Thompson either. <laughs> 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 That's another one of the whole line, Thompson. <laughs> if Mark was here, you could have a good chat about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But if we've got, we got Pearson and you've got uh, DJ, um, I've got a feeling he's going to play Thompson as well because he's going to back up Pearson with, with his burger out or not. That's what um, the question is. I think, yeah, I think we'll we'll take it that he's out, and then hopefully it'll be a nice surprise if he plays. Um, I hope so because I'd, I'd rather him than Thompson every day of the week. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if we with the players we've got available, I'm gonna have Travers in goal, um, Hoover, McNally, Wilmot, Gooch, and then I'm gonna have Thompson and Pearson 
as like like a double pivot. I think the modern the modern phrase is for it. So you have two two sort of sort of holding players, and then that gives DJ sort of license to get further forward. So then I'll have um, DJ Haksabanovic and Vidigal with Wesley up front, and I just think that like the four two three one. And then it gives Wesley more. There's more players in there around Wesley there, and Johnson can concentrate more on what he's good at, which is, you know, getting the ball forward, carrying it, and you know, playing people in, bit of flair, and that's what yeah, that's what he's good at. He's not bloody a defender, is he? And getting back towards his own goal, that's not where his strengths are. So let's play people where they get the best out of them, and I think that's what you know, Jordan Thompson, Ben Pearson, protect the defence a bit as well. Um, and like I say, then you've got the four up front then who can go and do the damage. Um, and I think they will do the damage. And I think we're going to win by two goals to one. What about yourself? You're confident. You're, <laughs> You're um, very confident. <laughs> I get for a one-all because I know if we take the lead, they'll, they'll score on one of these set pieces, I guarantee. Very <laughs> so I'd take, take a draw away, I would again. So, no problem with that. Uh, so, Super 6. Uh, I've got 20 points over the two game weeks this week, and I'm up to ninth overall now with 76 points. Uh, Mike has 58 points after getting 12 points over the two week games this week, uh, and he's in 76th place overall. Uh, Neil Finney, Phil Hopkins and Rob Heath all uh, won this week with 16 points, so well done to them. Uh, they won the midweek one. Uh, Darren Goodall's top overall with 85, Rob Heath has 82, and Lee Johnson, Ben Dawson, and Luke Haynes all have 81 points overall. So I am only nine off top spot. I am going, I'm going for it. Uh, Gaffer, I've got 50 points this week, which assume we drop slightly to 36 overall with 386 points. Um, quite a bit away from our top three. So, a ratio of size as 542. At Jamie Gaffer has 559. And my team, 620. Massive total. Um, he is like streaming away and definitely streaming away from me. Right, so just to end off then now, uh, Brendan, it's very late, so we won't keep you long, but I've got a little six towns challenge for you. So, can you name, there have been, um, there's actually a six plus one challenge, this is. Oh no, it'll be a six, I can do six. So, um, there have been seven players who've scored for us since relegation who previously scored against us. So Daniel Johnson was the seventh. So when he scored against Huddersfield, he became the seventh player since we were relegated to score for us who had previously scored against us for another club. Do you get me? Yeah. So who are the other six players since we got since we come down who've scored for us having previously scored against us? Are they still playing for us or uh, two two of them are. Two well, of them. I'm going to say I know Nick Powell scored against us. Pretty sure uh, Nick Powell scored against us for Wigan. Uh, is that right or not? Well, 
he wasn't on my list of people, but I will, whilst you are looking, I will do it. Because <laughs> he was outstanding when we played against him, that's why I said we should sign yeah. him, and then we'd suddenly signed him. Um, uh, this is odd, isn't it? <laughs> I can't think. I really can't think who, who it played is a for bit us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really am struggling with this one. Because I, I was pretty good last time, but this is a, this is really hard. This. Um... <coughs> oh, I give up. I really can't think. I can't. My, head, my head's just gone blank. So there's two two in the squad right now. So have a think. Who's in the squad right now? The trouble is, all the players who are in the squad right now come from either abroad. I, I can I can't think who it could be. Now we now look, it's probably a defender, McNally. No. So right, you've got okay. to have scored for us as well. Oh yeah, he hasn't scored for us. That's the worst one. Um. I can't, I can't think. I'm going to pass on this one because I really, my head is blank because I'm so tired. Uh, Nick Powell hadn't scored against us, by the way, but he did set up two goals when they beat us 3-0. <laughs> <That explains. laughs> I, I knew he destroyed us. I remember what it, I remember he was doing outstanding. Um, so the, the two players who scored against us, who have previously since scored for us, is Dwight Gale. Yeah, West Brom. Uh, Josh Loren. Was that Reading? Yeah. Um, so Scott Hogan. I forgot about him. But is that Birmingham? Yeah, it's yes, yeah, so obviously he scored as well. Uh he's scored with Brentford, I think, when he was at Brentford. Uh, Stephen Fletcher. Yeah. Tom Ince. Do you know, he was the one I was actually going to say, the one that only player I was thinking, Tom Ensel. But uh, who else? And the one we all like to boo. Let James me guess, McLean. James McLean. Yeah. <laughs> I knew he's, I knew, I was about to say Tom Ensel. That's the two players that we all get, we, we're glad are gone. It's Tom Ensel McLean. I was about to say, what should be them two? <laughs> <laughs> They were the sort of players that come back and bite you. Oh yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, those those are the ones. Yeah, Daniel Johnson was the seventh, and they were the six before. So uh, yes, uh, Josh Loren, By the way, he wasn't at Reading. He scored against us. He scored against us for Shrewsbury in the FA Cup in 2018. Really? Yes. Yeah, so he actually scored. Um, it was to get. He scored the winning goal. In fact. You know, when we were 2 0 up, it was Tyrese Campbell scored the, f- the first time he scored for Stoke. Um, they put us 2 0 up, and then they scored three times in the last 20 minutes to, uh, to turn it around and win the game. Yeah, he scored the winner with about five, about seven or eight minutes left. That doesn't surprise me with our history. <laughs> <laughs> we never go well in the club like that early doors, have we? <laughs> no. 
Right, mate, I'm, I'm glad to I'm glad to hear you smiling and laughing after after uh, what you've been through the last week with Stoke. Going so massive coming home, I tell you, it was a long journey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, well well done for going down there, mate. Great going, and well done to obviously everyone else who who travelled down and and everyone going to Bristol on Saturday. Uh, let's just hope that it's a more uh, how should we say a more positive return journey. From Ashton Gate, uh, than you than you had from the Vitality, uh, yes, three points for the Potters, much needed and would be much appreciated. Please, lads, come on, Stoke, come on, Stoke. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.